You're listening to the Eagle Insider, the Barbers Hill Independent School District podcast. Barbers Hill is dedicated to educating, connecting, and inspiring our community. And welcome back, Eagles. We're really excited about this episode, and this episode is going to be a little bit different than it what the ones in the past. So in the past, we've had one guest, one topic, but with this topic, it's a little bit bigger. It's a little bit more in encompassing. And so for that purpose, we've brought in multiple people from different parts of our our district. That way we can just get multiple perspectives. So today we're going to talk about bullying prevention and intervention, uh, which is very important to everyone here at Barbers Hill. So to get us started, we've brought in um, two ladies from our district level, Miss Lori May and Miss Mandy Malone. Ladies, if you could just tell us a little bit about what you do here at Barbers Hill ISD. Good morning. Um, yes, my name is Lori May and I am the director of safe schools here at the school district. Um, we wanted to visit this morning on bullying prevention and intervention. You know, we believe that bullying prevention is the safest, most effective strategy to reduce bullying behavior, Brett. And we have, we've asked a few um, of our leaders throughout the district to come join us and that are actually in the trenches daily at their campuses so that, you know, we can collaborate and, and visit from different ages and campuses throughout the district. Ms. Malone, tell us a little bit about what you do and kind of why you're joining us today. Sure. Good morning. Um, I am the Director of Student Services, and one of the areas that I oversee uh, is discipline. And so when we're talking about bullying, intervention, and prevention, um, I support the campuses, help uh, make sure that we have policy and procedures in place in order to try to um, mitigate any uh, circumstances surrounding bullying, what we're going to do prior to, to prevent it, and how, how can we help support the students um, and the families if, if an, an event does rise to that occasion of bullying. So uh, that's really where I am on and how I can come to the table and help you understand, like, where, where can you find policy? What does that language look like? Um, and, and then what do the campuses do to help make sure that we do everything we can to prevent this from happening? But just like any behavior, we can do everything and teach kids and, and hold them accountable. But sometimes uh, good kids make the wrong choice. And we're going to um, help them through that and make sure that we can uh, come out of it working together. And, you know, Brett, I've, I truly believe that we all are involved in the educational process um, and keeping our kids safe. And, um, you know, we believe bullying prevention and intervention is a lot like SEL, our social emotional learning. Um, it's everyone's responsibility. Um, I, we feel like it's the foundational element for helping our students learn things like empathy, re, uh, managing their emotions, maintaining healthy relationships, and, and making good choices. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to kind of reiterate that that's a, it, that's a lifelong learning thing. As absolutely. you know, I, I don't want to age myself here, but I, I might be in my early 40s already. And some of that stuff I still work with. I mm -hmm. still work with managing my emotions, my ability to communicate my communicate for myself and and stand up for myself and things like that. And so what we're trying to do is lay the foundation for everybody to grow into a healthy adult, the kind of person you want living next door to you and going to church with you and, and marrying your daughter one day or something like that. Um, so that that's wonderful, ladies. But let's let's kind of get into the nitty gritty. Let's kind of start with 
what is bullying? Because I think sometimes when we have these hard conversations, we're coming from different perspectives and what bullying means to me isn't what bullying means to you, isn't what bullying means to the letter of the law. So let's start with there. What What is bullying? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, I, and I get that question often. You know, there are a lot of behaviors that we see that are inappropriate that would um, really be considered misconduct of some level. Um, but when it, when it rises to the occasion of bullying, it has to check a lot of boxes. Um, and, and oftentimes parents call and say, you know, my kid's being bullied, you know, can we, can we look into this? And we're absolutely going to do that. Um, but our administrators who are completing the investigations, they're always going to use the definitions that are in our student code of conduct. Um, so for our parents who've not had a chance to jump in and look through our student code of conduct, um, this is based on the law. So, uh, Barbara still doesn't have her own definition of bullying. Uh, if you look in the, in the, in the glossary in the back of the code of conduct, you, you'll find that exact definition of bullying, but it's, it's, um, quite detailed. There are a lot of different scenarios, a lot of language in there. They talk about an imbalance of power, um, you know, whether it's consistent or pervasive behavior. We really have to look at a lot of things. So it's pretty wordy. So I'm not going to read it to you today, but just know that you can always find that definition in our code of conduct. Um, and, and if you're thinking like, hey, there might be a situation that might fall uh, within the scope of uh, bullying or have some uh, element of bullying going on, whether it's with your child or somebody else, um, take a look at it. But always um, we always encourage uh, families uh, to report it anyway, because our experts are on the campus and they're the ones who are going to go through the investigative piece to see if it qualifies as bullying. Or if not, it's uh, certainly probably still going to be misconduct and there are going to be some consequences tied to that, whether it, it falls under that definition or not. Okay. And you did say that the code of conduct is there for the parents. I just want yes. to reiterate that mm -hmm. so much of the documentation and the things that we talk about today are available to you. Go to the Barbers Hill website. If you can't find it, talk to somebody at your campus. We want to be as transparent as we can with our policies so that you as parents feel comfortable knowing your children are safe when you leave them with us for eight hours a day. Yes. Um, and on our student services page on the website, you'll find the student handbook, which lists a lot of procedures for our district. Um, there is language in there about bullying and the procedures for that. And then the code of conduct as well um, has a section about bullying. And then also we're seeing more of, I should say, is the cyberbullying or the potential for cyberbullying. Those look a little bit different as far as um, what is going to be the school's responsibility for those. Because, you know, as we know, most kids have phones these days and they have a lot of free time on their phones. So we, we oftentimes see things that are happening and transpiring outside of the school day. And so there, there are some, um, <clears throat> boundaries for when a school uh, has to get involved with that, uh, even if it's something that happens off campus. So we do have, uh, that definition of cyberbullying in our code of conduct, code of conduct, excuse me, as well. And that can all be found on the website under the student services page. Gotcha. Now I'm going to, I'm going to be a little vulnerable here. One of the places where I fall short as a dad is I don't go through my kid's phone enough. I just don't. My wife does. She's amazing. And I'm grateful. That's why we're a good team. She, her strengths are <laughs> my weaknesses sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But I should. I just know I should. And I think that so much more we would have a better idea of what's going on in our kids' lives if we as parents would do that more. And so I, I think that's one thing I'm going to try to do. And I hope that our listeners think about, hey, Let's just open that up with our kids so I know what's going on. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I have two ten- teenage boys myself, and uh, I know they, they were probably the only eighth graders in Barbersville, it seemed like, according to them, that didn't have a phone. So, but now, they're, you know, it's younger. I know it's a, safe, it's a safety mechanism for parents to be able to get a hold of their students, um, you know, at practices and things like that. But it, it is a huge responsibility for these young children to have computers and internet access in front of them all the time. Um, and it is in our best interest as parents to make sure that we are monitoring that. And it's it's not always the easiest things because our kids feel like we're invading their privacy and and such, but it will, it will uh, pay dividends for you in the future if you continue to stay on top of that and check their phones um, and, and stay up with the latest and greatest on what kind of things they can do to hide information on their phones. So not that's that. probably another podcast. Right. But not only that, it also, I think it keeps you closer to them. You know what's going on. You know who they're close to, who, where they're going, what they're doing. You know, you just... It's not so much an invasion of privacy for me as it's another way to completely understand with what's going on, especially when they get to yeah. the teenage years. They're not always yeah, it's tough. communicating with us. It's tough. And our goal is to keep them safe as parents and and certainly as educators as well. And and you can't do that if you don't really know what's going on behind closed doors, so to speak, on their phones. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about bullying and you also talked about the difference between bullying and misconduct. There are two, before we jump into that a little bit more, especially at the younger level, one thing I do want to reiterate to our parents is that any misconduct, whether it falls under the scope of bullying or not, we will address because that misconduct needs to be addressed, period, in a sentence, but if we know about it. So if there's misconduct going on, reach out to the people at your campus because they want to take care of, they want your kid to feel safe, they want your kid to feel comfortable, they want your kid to love coming to school. And so whether it's bullying or not, we can help if we know about it. Yes. And, and I'll say one more thing about the Code of Conduct. It's a great resource. It covers every behavior that you could possibly think of that we may see um, with our students. Um, and, and it's in there. So if ever a student um, ha, ha, demonstrates a behavior, it, it's going to be in the Code of Conduct. And that me- that gives us jurisdiction to um, help that student, whether it's with counseling or some consequences or whatever that student needs to address that behavior and stop it from happening again. So it, it just because it doesn't rise to the level of something as severe as bullying, um, it is more than likely still a Code of Conduct violation, and we can certainly address it. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between bullying and misconduct, especially at the lower level. So we brought in another expert. We brought in Ms. Donna Bio. Uh, Ms. Bio, tell us what you do at the district and start with there. What do you do with the district? Good morning. Um, at the district right now, I'm currently a principal at the Early Childhood Center, which consists of um, three, four, and five-year-olds. I've also been at the elementary level um, for four years as an AP. I taught middle school um, students for 19 years, and I spent a year at the high school with high school students. So I've kind of seen um, the scope of behavior uh, from anywhere from a three-year-old to an 18-year-old. And I have two teenagers of my own, so I, I get it on both sides. Absolutely. Now, you said you're at the ECC right now, which is the three, the four, and the five-year-olds. Mm-hmm. It's our pre-K and our kindergarten class. And that's such an important part of about building the framework for them to be good people so that stuff like this doesn't happen. And so talk a little bit about the things that y'all kind of try to incorporate into besides teaching them the colors and their numbers and their letters at the ECC. Absolutely. All that is so very important. But also uh, we want to teach them how to just have good behaviors, be good humans and um, be able to get along with other children. And a lot of times at the elementary level, uh, the young level, one thing is 
Um, they, they are not afraid to tell you when someone has been unkind or mean, where sometimes when you get to the older kids, they kind of, we find that they hold it in and we, we want to try to build those relationships, encourage them to talk. But at the elementary level and young kindergarten, preschool age, they're immediately going to tell you when someone has commented about their hair or their shoes or what they're eating for lunch. And so what we try to do with them and whether, whether it's the child coming to us and speaking or the parent, they want to be heard first and foremost. And I think that's what's most important is making sure that they feel heard, their voice is heard. Um, And then we want to determine what is just maybe rude or unkind, mean behavior versus what can be considered bullying. And I'll tell you right now, the experience I'm having at the um, ECC, it's more of just teaching kids when their words can be unkind and hurtful to others. So we, of course, our social emotional learning uh, program, we are in that every day with our students. And it's not just a, uh, we have a certain time during the day where we teach social emotional learning. We do it from the minute they walk in that door to the minute that they leave, because that is to me, I, yes, your colors, your numbers, all that is so important, but also learning learning those behaviors is, is very um, important as well. So we teach them what it looks like to be unkind when we hear them being unkind or um, maybe not sharing or doing something that could be hurtful to a friend. We like to take that as a learning opportunity and we teach them how to maybe reframe it. Sometimes the kids don't even know that they're being rude or unkind. It might be a behavior that at home with brothers or sisters, they're able to talk to them that way or act that way. But at school, it's not socially acceptable. So we like to teach that behavior. Um, also, uh, we like to teach coping skills and resilience that, um, you know, if your feelings are hurt or someone has been unkind, we find that voice to use and we want to help them bounce back. And it's not going to ruin your whole day. We're going to make it a good day and we're going to move on. And nine times out of 10, they're playing with that child again later in the day. Um, sometimes we teach our kids that whenever someone's being unkind, walk away. Don't keep trying to play with them. Find something else to do. Um, we like to to help them learn how to talk to each other. Um, once they've brought it to a teacher's attention or to administrator's attention, uh, we always investigate any kind of report that's made to us, either by a parent or a student. But then if it's um, maybe a misunderstanding or a way that we can use it as a teaching experience, we'll have those kids talk with each other. We guide it, we lead it, but we want them to learn to use their voice. Um, and also we teach other students, if you see someone being unkind, take that opportunity to, to report it or to step in if you feel like it's a safe way to do it. Uh, we want them to know that it's not okay. And I think one of the most important things from the three, four, five-year-olds all the way up through the high school kids is we have to normalize seeking help. It is okay to ask for help. It's okay to report it. It's okay to speak to someone that you trust because feeling unsafe or feeling um, like someone is being mean or unkind to you is not okay. That's not a that's not a good way to feel. Um, and I think one of my favorite things about the young kids is that we foster friendships. We um, sometimes kids don't know how to make friends or to play with other kids, especially if they're coming into a school setting or a setting with other children for the first time. So we like to try to help them uh, role play or how could we have said that different? Maybe you don't want to play with that friend today, but how could you have told them differently that maybe today I don't want to play, but tomorrow we can play together. So we role play and we foster friendships with them. And um, as they get older, you have you you have to learn how to 
to, to deal with difficult people sometimes. And so we want them to know, nope, it may not always go your way. You may not always get to play with the toy you wanted or the person you wanted, but that's okay. We're going to, we're going to change and we're going to make other choices and we're, we're going to move on. Um, and I think teaching compassion for the bullied and the bullies, um, both if, if kids are, um, making bad choices, we have to teach compassion. Everybody deserves love. So we want to get to the bottom of whatever situation is being reported. And, um, you know, I've, I found that sometimes when kids are being unkind, they're hurting somewhere and we want to help them to find the answers that they need as well. Um, but like always, we try to find the intent, um, of, of what the behavior is. We help children find their voice and to stand up for each other. Yeah, two of the things I really drew from that was was one that I've always heard that hurt people hurt people. Mm-hmm. And so our goal is always to defend the bullied 100%, but also get to the root of why the bully is doing what they're doing. Because nine times out of 10, and that's a made up statistic, but nine times out of 10, <laughs> the bully is hurt somewhere else. And that's another kid that needs our help. And the second thing that I thought that brought from that is how important those skill sets are because we all want to be good people. We all want to be surrounded good by, by good people. But unfortunately, as you grow up, as you become an adult, even at our age, not everyone is kind. And so those coping mechanisms, those things that you have to teach yourself how to interact with someone at work, with someone at church, with someone at HEB, just isn't there today. And you, it's hard even for adults, like you said earlier. It's, it is it is hard. And sometimes I even stop myself and think, okay, how could I handle this differently? You know, whenever you get upset about something, but um, so definitely teaching them that it's not, everyone is not always going to be nice. Right. That's just the, the environment we live in, the world we live in. So how do we respond when someone's not nice and what do we do with that? Right. But if we all were just a little bit kinder, maybe we would, world would be a better place, yeah. you know? Okay. So let's move up from the little kids and let's move up kind of to the secondary level. So we have another guest, Miss Nikki Juarez. Miss mm-hmm. Juarez, tell us where you are and what you do. Hi, I'm Nikki Juarez. Um, I've been fortunate enough to be a teacher in this district and an elementary counselor. And now I'm at middle school North level. Um, I'm happy to share that our district five years ago created a team that just was going to tackle how are we going to support our kids in the classroom and the hallways in our, you know, our district. So our district started a social emotional curriculum. And what's great is that covers lessons from our pre-K students that Ms. Bio talked about all the way up to our high school level. And these students teach character traits, you know, how to be a good person, but they also are adapted to the needs of our students. So for the middle school level, some of those lessons look like teaching those relationship skills, peer support, emotional regulation, empathy, and then personal boundaries. Um, And we also cover something called registers of language, um, which is important, kind of one of those lifelong skills. Um, And it teaches students how to talk to others. You know, we are teaching young teens, young adults, and we want to make sure when they leave our building, they're able to function in society and know how language changes with your settings. So we would hope that students would use something called casual or academic language at school um, because that would be appropriate to that setting, but they don't always do that. Um, casual language is typically where we get, if we have a bullying investigation, you know, that's going to be the register that's used. Um, that's where you can have slang. 
maybe some possible um, derogatory language, especially on texting and kind of those social media platforms. Um, so our efforts are to teach students right from wrong. And I know parents are doing that as well at home. Um, but like we shared, these are young adults, young teens, and mistakes are going to be made. Um, so in our efforts at Middle School North, weekly we um, carve out time in our day on Wednesday to teach students directly in our classrooms with our teachers supporting us, you know, these lifelong skills that they can learn. Um, as far as intervention efforts from a counselor standpoint, um, many of times students will come and report things to me and I'm kind of their, their first stop um, and I'll start an investigation process. What's great is parents do reach out when they hear something and they alert us, um, whether it's me or um, one of our administrators. We also have great kids who, if they witness something, they will also come in and share, hey, Miss Juarez, this was not right. I think you need to check on so-and-so. So uh, just like you said, Brett, I would encourage our community, if you do hear something, to reach out. I can promise you we will look into it. Um, I've had many parents call me about another student that they were worried about. Um, and in, in, in all of those situations, we're going to make sure that we do our part to support our students. Okay? Our students at the middle school level, um, privacy is important to them. Okay? They're not always going to report what's going on. So we have a mentor program. Um, we're hoping that through that, our students have one trusted adult that they know that they can go to and report to. We also have what's called a counselor check-in, and it is on the home screen of every student's Chromebook. And they're able to anonymously turn in a Google document with their name, what the issue is, and it sends it to our two counselors and our social worker. So from there, we're able to know what our students struggling with and start an investigation that way. And that's great for little things too. It's not always, you know, bullying or I'm having trouble with this. It could be anything that they're struggling with and they just want a trusted adult to kind of talk through that with. If a bullying situation were to occur, um, as a counselor, I will get an incident report from the student or the witness or a parent um, and help with the investigation process. But once um, the investigation, kind of the initial investigation is started, anything that involves bullying is also shared and passed along to our administrators. And they kind of pick up from there and become like the leader of the investigation. Okay. So let's start with just the middle school years. First off, thank you. Um, I taught one semester at middle school, my very first year of teaching. And uh, it is a special human being that finds that <laughs> as their home to deal with 12, 13, and 14-year-olds every day. Um, let's start there. But first, you talked about how it expands. As our eagles grow up and they become more mature and they're capable of more, we expand on what Miss Bio was talking about at the ECC and the elementary level, and we get to bigger topics through SEL and ask more of them. And I think that's important to hear that as, as they grow, we want these skill sets to continue to grow because they look different. They look different from a five-year-old to a 13-year-old to an 18-year-old to a 41-year-old. And I also want to talk about that this SEL has been in place for now for five years, but the, the years that I taught to, 
it was always evolving. It was a very fluid program because the world is changing so quickly and what our kids need from us and, and how to navigate that changes so quickly. I'm so grateful that there was no social media and text messaging when I was a teenager. Goodness gracious. But that's changing. And so we always have to grow as the adults in the room to help get them to where they need to be. Um, and the last thing that I, I drew from that was that you talked about once we get past the intervention or the prevention and into the intervention, now that now we're into the kind of the, uh, what's the word you used? I'm sorry. The uh, investigation. There it is. Sorry, guys, I haven't finished my coffee yet. We get to the in the investigation portion of it, and that's where our administrators kind of come in. So what have we done? We brought in two administrators. We brought in two other experts at different levels to try to talk about what does that look like now that we've done our best to prevent it, but our some of our good kids have still made a poor choice. So now we've got to deal with it. So we've brought in two uh administrators. We bought in Miss Allison Smithwick and Mr. Matt Barnett. So uh, if you guys would just please introduce yourself and tell us what you do, Miss Miss Smithwick. Okay. Hi, I'm Allison Smithwick. I am brand new to Barbers Hill. This is my first year here and I am the ninth grade assistant principal at the high school. And I'm Matt Barnett. I'm uh, the principal at Middle School North. Gotcha. Um, so we, a little bit different perspective because we have a building principal and we have an assistant principal and we've got someone who's relatively new and someone who's been here for a little bit. It's a little bit more involved because um, when I first got to Barbers Hill, you know what? I thought everybody was a lifelong eagle. I thought everybody had been here for 20 years because that's kind of how it feels. That's that community and that feeling. And a lot of us have, but I'm on year seven and sometimes I still feel like the, the new person. Um, so tell us a little bit about as being the newest person in this conversation, what do you see with kind of the the newest perspective on what we're doing, especially when it comes to the the intervention policy. Sure, sure. So Barbara's Hill is certainly a very special place. Um, just from an outsider coming in, there's some significant differences here that I feel we're very blessed to have. Um, one of the things that I immediately noticed in getting here was the, um, it, it feels like a small town. And I know our high school has almost 2,000 kids, but the teachers, administrators, faculty, staff, everybody has a really good pulse on kind of what's happening. Um, and I think that's because of the relationships that are built. Um, from day one walking in, it, it did feel like a big family um, because everybody, you know, knows each other. They're supportive. They check in. There's just a different culture. Um, so that's been really cool. But I think probably the most powerful thing is the plugged in initiative that we have here. Our students are involved in so many things. Um, the students that aren't involved when they come into the high school, before they leave, they're involved, they're plugged in. We work really hard. Our faculty and staff does a really good job at finding um, what that student's you know strength is or what their interest is, interests are and, and kind of guiding them to find their niche. So even though it is a huge, you know, almost 2,000 student school, there's a lot of small community aspects there. Um, our, our teachers and staff, you know, this, it, it, it is different because there's our students go here, but you know, our, our own kids are in here and it's not just, um, you know, even not even my, my kid's six month old, but I still have, you know, I feel like these kids are my kids and I do build those relationships and it's a unique place in that 
even at, you know, in the lunchroom, you see administrators going and sitting at the table with our students. Our police officers are sitting with our students and getting to know them and, and checking in and seeing what's going on. So I think that's probably the most powerful thing is just having everybody plugged in and, and getting a good pulse on them. Um, on, you know, what's going on, what the strengths, weaknesses, the needs are, what we're doing well, what we need to improve on. Um, it's really all hands on deck as far as that goes. Yeah, the two things I drew from that one is what a special place this is. This is my fourth stop in education. And I'm grateful for every stop I had. It formed what I am as an educator. And there were great people at every place I went. This is the first place I've enrolled my children. This is the first place my kids have followed me. Because when we got here, we knew how special it was. And we knew that we wanted our kids to be eagles. So we brought them here just because we knew Barbers Hill was a special place. But one of the things that made it special was that small town feel. Like we we love that small town feel. I'm from a small town. My wife is from a small town. And so even though we're growing, that small town feel was very important to us. Unfortunately, with small towns, sometimes small town things bring small town politics and gossip. And I think that one of the things that's important with our small town is that if we expand out beyond the kids, if we take those things out and find ways as adults to be kind, to be nice, to be supportive of each other in this small town where a lot of people know a lot of people's business, I think we're all better for it in those situations. I think if we're modeling good behavior in that situation as the adults, that it trickles down and it's it's just a great thing. Uh, you talked a lot about culture and getting plugged in. Um, Mr. Barnett, I know at Middle School North, that's one of the things that you really want to talk about is that that culture that you try to cultivate on your campus and why it's so important, if you would. First, introduce yourself. Tell us, did you do that already? I, I introduced myself, yeah, but just a, a little history. Um, I've spent time in administration, both the high school and middle school level. And Brett, like I said, I've been in several districts, but this is the only district I'd send my kids. And We've been here uh, about 15 years. My wife's a teacher in the district as well. Um, and, you know, as the principal, kind of the front lines, your job is to build that culture on campus. And we want our kids to feel comfortable in the environment and feel like they can go talk to somebody. So uh, we have our eagle way. We have our way of doing things. But we also want to create that culture where the kids are comfortable, that they can come to an adult or they're not afraid to kind of step in and help a ch another student out on the, on campus and or go report that they saw something. And we in middle school, it's tough. They're going through a lot of changes um, and they like to call each other snitches and things like that at this age. So, you know, we have to let them know that everything's going to be in private. You come talk to us. We're not going to share, you know, who it was that came and reported. Um, the important thing is that you come and tell us, because if we don't know, we can't help. Um, so we want them to come to us, but they're not going to come to us if we don't create that that good positive culture and climate where they're comfortable in the building each and every day. Absolutely. And that that's a big difference from what Ms. B.O. was talking about, where they want to tell you everything with, <laughs> you know, that they looked at me funny to a middle school kid, that, especially middle school kids that are involved in something else. They don't want the, their peers to see them as that. I know that I hear that word snitch all the time with the middle school kids. And it, I I hate it because there's a difference. There's a difference between speaking up for someone and 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 being a snitch or a tattletale. Um, and I, I think y'all both do such a good job of building that community and staying plugged in. And, and parents, maybe even ask your kid, hey, if something was going on at the high school or something was going on at the middle school, who would you go to? 
who would you go to? Maybe they don't know Miss Barnett, Mr. Barnett. Maybe they don't know Miss Smithwick. Maybe they don't know Miss Juarez. Is it your English teacher? Is it your football coach? Is it your choir director? Is it your art teacher? And that we, that's another reason why being plugged in is so important because we want them to know right off the top of their head who their ally is. Who would I go to? You know, who would I go if something was going on? Who would I talk to? Um, so those are really great things. But again, we talked about we're far from perfect here. We don't want to pers- to put ourselves out there as a perfect district. Things are going to happen. And I think sometimes when things do happen, um, people involved are like, well, not enough's being done. Not enough's being done. Can you talk a little bit about our policies when it comes to the intervention after something has been reported and somebody has come to you? Sure. Yeah. So the investigation process is is pretty lengthy. We do take bullying alleg- allegations very, very seriously. Um, and so I guess the, the key is having that report, whether it's coming from a student, a, a friend of a student that's being bullied, a parent, community member, just letting us know what's going on. Once that comes across my desk, um, the investigation starts. And like I said, it, it's pretty serious. We try to get as much information um, and because we have those relationships, not only with stu- other students and teachers, but also other administrators in the building, it really um, becomes a team process. Even though it may be, let's say, a ninth, one of my ninth graders, we do try to get as much information as possible. So the investigation starts with getting statements, um, maybe pulling camera footage and a lot of social media. I want to say of the bullying um, investigations I've done this year maybe all of them, but a couple have been linked to social media, which is a blessing and a curse, a curse because if the parents aren't checking the phones, um, we don't know it exists, but a blessing because everything's timestamped. There's screenshots. It's very factual when you can find something on a phone or post it out um, on the web. So whatever that looks like, once that information is brought in, um, we take those statements, the screenshots, we take all of that factual information Um, And then kind of start combing through it. We use the state is really good at providing resources that our district uses. We have a checklist. um, I mean, it's not just a a campus thing or a district thing. It's actually there's federal laws that help guide us and determine um, where the investigation needs to go. So we use the checklist to determine, Okay, is it bullying? Is it harassment? Is it just a kid being mean? Like what's going on here? Um, we use that checklist. We do a thorough investigation by getting all of the factual information from others who may be witnesses, the screenshots, and then we kind of compile it all, go through it. I often use my, my coworkers because they're experts, um, you know, and it's better, two minds are, are better than one. So we work together on it. Our administrative team will collaborate, look at the facts and kind of determine where to go from there. Um, probably the most frustrating thing about the investigation is it does take time. Um, and, you know, as a parent, if your child is saying that they're being bullied, you want it ended immediately. You want to know what's going on. Um, and and like I said, probably the most frustrating piece of that is the person who's alleging bu- bullying, let's say it's a parent that comes up and reports it, they want to know, hey, what's going on in the investigation? What happened? Um, and then if it is confirmed bullying, they want to know, well, what's going to happen to the bully? Unfortunately, because there's laws um, that govern kind of what we share with the community and other parents, and if it's not of academic, you know, um, necessity, we can't tell a parent what's going on with another student. So that's a little bit frustrating, and and I know um, as a parent, I would be wanting to know what's going on. But there are there's you know federal laws that that limit what we can share about other students. 
So sometimes we just have to tell them, hey, the, the investigation is ongoing and they just have to have faith and trust that that's actually what's going on. But on the backside of that, it's not just one person looking at something, determining, oh, yeah, it's bullying or not. There's a whole team working. There's a whole process. There's, you know, lots of hours in the day spent investigating. And, and we do investigate the allegations that are brought to us. It's not something that we just put in a desk drawer, but it really takes a lot of manpower and hours to kind of go through that. So once we determine yes or no, that's when you know, we we issue consequences or supports. We contact counselors, let parents know, hey, you know, according to this, specifically with your child, these are the issues. Um, but like I said, it it is kind of a, we never know what's going to walk through our door and end up on our desk. So there's so many different ways that um, bull- avenues that bullying can take, especially with social media. So it, it sometimes it is a lengthy process, but um that's kind of what it looks like once it comes in. It's not, no day is ever the same. Um, no investigation's ever the same. So we really don't know. That's why it's it's awesome that we have such good relationships with coworkers and we can utilize our team. Um, but then once the investigation is completed, what we do is we do submit the findings to our district office. So it is on file. So if anything else should arise or there's any questions, um, everybody's in the loop from the campus administration team to upper admin and and it's documented so it's something we do really well at various different levels here in the district yeah and i think as a parent that's why this podcast is so important to kind of to peel back that curtain a little bit and let you know that it's it how long it takes and how in-depth it is and how many people are involved because like you said as a parent my kids being bullied i want that other kid in here i want him disciplined i want it to stop and i want it to stop now i know that's all our intent our intent is to keep everybody safe and get to the truth and, and make sure that consequences in there. Unfortunately, it just takes, it takes time and that's hard. Um, but because the process is so long, Mr. Barnett, if you could talk a little bit about how important reporting is, because the sooner we know there's a problem, the sooner we can start this investigation, the sooner we can make sure that everybody is comfortable and safe and happy at school. So talk a little bit about reporting and what that looks like and why it's so important as soon as you hear something as soon as you see something on that phone which by the way i'm making a new commitment i hope your parents will too check your kid's phone i'm, I'm in on it now that this has got me talk a little bit about reporting mr barnett yes sir um you know i talked culture a while ago but it all starts with safe environment and and so safety is number one that's when i'm put into place to run a building it's safety provide that safe environment but it takes everybody on campus all the parents the community everybody including the kids, to provide that safe environment and to assist with that. So um, regardless of the time, reach out to us, report it. You can do it through email. You can call us. Uh, you, if it's after hours, we even have a Stop It app on our, I mean, uh, link on our website that you can click on and report anonymously at any time. I just last night got something at 930 at night. We're going to act on it immediately, um, regardless of time. So the quicker you get to us, the quicker we can get the ball rolling. I'll follow up with my AP in the morning, my assistant principals, and they'll start doing the investigation. And then I'm there to provide that layer of support and 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 be the liaison between the parents and the school as needed. Um, but again, the the reporting part, the checking your kids' phones and and talking to them every night, um, have those conversations about how did school go, how are things going. We need the help at home. And and we're here at school to to support any way that we can. And the quicker we know, uh, the quicker we can we can intervene and interact and and provide all these safe interventions and and counselors and all that for our students. Yeah, absolutely. So 
I know we both have daughters that are that are teenagers. Uh, last night I had an eclipse. My daughter actually sat at the bar while I was cleaning the kitchen for 15 minutes without her phone and spoke to me. And I tell you, <laughs> for this daddy heart, that just helped. Take, take that time. Tell them to put the phone away. Sit and talk to them. Um, so I, I just want to piggyback on a couple of things they're talking about in culture and how it's a it's very important that we have relationships um, with our families and that it's a it's a team effort to help raise their kids and and make sure they're educated and ready for the world. Um, what I want to reiterate is that our district um, we do you know we have everything in place to prevent bullying. Um, there there's not a district out there who can say that you're going to be able to prevent it 100. Unfortunately, um, it's going to happen eventually. Um, but what I want our families to know is, is we're doing so many things to try to prevent, to try to teach. Um, and, and then in the case that it does happen, um, we, we have a very strategic specific plan to intervene when, when that does and, and how we're going to handle things afterwards. And, and we have great people, um, who, who work really hard to make these things happen. So I, I just, uh, hope that our families have faith in us, but the other side of it, and we talked a little bit about it, staying plugged into your children at home is very important. Um, but there's a reason kids are bullying. And, and a couple of you talked about this er earlier. I was a campus administrator for 10 years, um, and, and a teacher for 10 years. So what we saw, you know, at all levels, I, I was at the high school and I was at the elementary level is whether it's uh, the kid is uh, being ugly or whatever it maybe that's what's being modeled at home. Uh, maybe somebody's doing that to them at school. And so they're just turning around and, and um, saying the same kind of things. Or oftentimes kids just don't know how to socialize. They're trying to fit in. I saw that with my boys when they went through junior high, you know, at that stage, they're really trying to figure out um, where they fit in. And it's very hard, as Matt alluded to, they're, they're going through hormonal changes and they don't always know how to socialize. And so sometimes we have to, as parents too, if we, if we pick up on that, like, Hey, why would you, why are you saying that in that text message? You know, well, they might think it's funny. And if I'm funny and people laugh, they're going to accept me as a friend. So, you know, there's all these different reasons, but I think everyone who spoke on the podcast today, um, really did hit on, we're trying to get to the bottom, the root cause of why, uh, a student is demonstrating these behaviors. Why are they being mean? Why are they picking on this particular kid? Um, and that is our goal. So here's what I just really want to kind of to draw it all back and, and report is to our parents, to our community, to our kids, to our staff, to everyone involved. We're better when we're a team. We're better when we're all on the same page. We're better when we're all teaching the skill sets to be kind to be good people, to treat people the right way, to stand up for the weaker person. There are people on our campuses throughout that care about your kids. Uh, I'm out of the classroom, but I did teach for 15 years. My kids never stopped being my kids. If I run in, if your kid was in my classroom and I run into them to HEB, I care. I want to know what's going on with their life. I want to know what they're doing now that they've left me. I've, I've got kids that email me about work and college and marriage and whatever, and, and they never stop being your kids. So we're here, but part of that process is you being as involved as you can in your kids, knowing what's going on, helping report it so that we all can get to a better place as Eagles. And I think ultimately we'll all be better if we're all just a little bit kinder in our day. So thank you so much for listening. And we hope that this uh, helped you. And please, there are people throughout the district and throughout the campus that if you need something, reach out because we're there. Thank you so much, Eagles. Thank you for listening. If you need more information about our district, please visit our website at bhisd.net.